Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar, who will be your host in this retrospective edition of Fake News. Now, gaslighting is a term that you've probably heard a lot the past couple years. It actually came originally from, um, well, there was a 1944 movie called Gaslighting. And this starred Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman. And it was actually a play before that. Um, but here's the description of the movie. It follows a young woman whose husband slowly manipulates her into believing that she is descending into insanity. So the husband is trying to make his wife think she's crazy. And he does this by, I mean, it's very intentional on his part. He's like taking pictures off of walls. And she'll be like, wasn't there a picture here? And he's like, oh, no, there was no picture here. And then a few days later, he'll put it back and just constantly tries to cause her to, to doubt herself. He, the, the title comes from where he changes the amount of gas in the lights. This is an old movie where they had gas-powered like lamps and stuff like that. And, they, and they, uh, he, would, he would change the amount of gas in there to make the lights dimmer. And then he'd make the lights brighter. And if she would ever question it, you know, she'd say, weren't those lights brighter the other day? He'd be like, oh, no, of course they weren't. You know, so he's constantly trying to make her think that she's crazy. In fact, I'll play a clip from the movie here. Paul, I, I don't want to upset you. If you will put things right when I'm not looking, we'll assume it did not happen. But what? Gregory, what? Oh, please don't turn your back on me. What has happened? You mean you don't know? No, I... Look. Yes. The little picture has been taken down. Who took it down? Why has it been taken down? Why indeed? Why was it taken down before? Will you please get it from wherever you've hidden it and put it back in its place? But I haven't hidden it. I swear I haven't. Why should I? Why should? Don't look at me like that. Someone else must have done it. I... No, don't bring her. Please don't bring her, Gregory. Don't shame her before oh, the servants. You please I... stop being hysterical. So the husband's just trying to drive his wife insane. And it tells her stuff like, oh, you didn't say this. You said that. Don't you remember we had this conversation the other day? He wants her to doubt herself. And, and, and by doing this, what he wants her to do is to get her entire understanding of reality from him so that she won't think that she can properly interpret reality. She'll have to rely on him to know what's truly going on. And this is an evil thing to do to a person because, um, you know, for a lot of people, you can manipulate them in this way. Unless someone's just very prideful. Okay, if they're very, very prideful, they never doubt themselves. They always think that they're right. And so this would be harder to do to someone like that. But, but for the rest of us, you know, norm, regular people, we try to be humble. We try not to always think that we're right about everything. So we, we, we are open to doubting ourselves and questioning ourselves. And most of us do this pretty easily. We want to be able to admit whenever we're wrong or that we can be wrong. And, and by doing that, though, it does make it possible for people to take advantage of us. And I bring this up because this is what the media does to us all the time. They decide what narrative that they want us to believe. And they throw everything they can at us to make us doubt our own understanding. Even the things taking place between our own eyes, our own perceptions. So that we'll just believe 
whatever they tell us is true. Um, like the woman in that movie. She's not going to reject reality as she sees it unless she can be convinced that she doesn't really know reality. And that's exactly what the media tries to do to us. They try to convince us that, that they didn't say the thing that they were saying last year and that we have to believe them about what they're saying now. Uh, when President Joe Biden said that he was pulling out of Afghanistan last year, he, he said his whole team agreed that this was the right call, that this would be a smooth transition, that the Afghan government was finally stable enough that they could keep their country out of the hands of the Taliban. And then, of course, that all went to crap whenever it went disastrous. They came out, they told us, oh, well, we always knew it was going to be a disaster. But we just needed someone with the courage to pull the trigger on this thing. And that's, that's who Joe Biden was. So they said they weren't surprised at all then that the Taliban um, would immediately take over the country. They were like, oh, yeah, we always knew the government would fall to their control. Totally trying to rewrite history of what they had said just a few weeks before. When Putin acted like he wanted to invade Ukraine a few months ago. President Biden was talking about how he he said, oh, well, sanctions will put a stop to this. And then Putin invaded anyway. And the Biden administration just came out and said, oh, well, we always knew that the sanctions weren't going to do anything. Like they literally came out at the start and said that they were putting sanctions on Putin as a deterrent. Then later they actually said, oh, well, we never told you that sanctions were intended as a deterrent. That'd be stupid. Well, they do this kind of stuff because they want to make you doubt your reality. They want to make you doubt your perceptions. They know we don't have perfect memories that we can forget stuff. They want to make us doubt our own memories. They want to make us doubt what we remember hearing with our own ears. And then they try to replace the truth with their own narrative. So today what I want to do is a retrospective edition of of fake news just to show you how the, the Democrats and the media, how they collaborate to gaslight you. And we're going to go through example after example of this today. The Democrats, the media, they are all in cahoots to do this to you. I shouldn't even be saying Democrats and the media because it's all just Democrats, okay? Saying Democrats and the media, at this point, it's just redundant. Um, Basically, any media other than like explicitly right-wing media sources like Fox News, Daily Wire, The Blaze, you know, if it's not some of these explicitly right-wing sources then it's it's all Democrats. And they're all just telling you what they want you to believe about reality. So let's talk about some of this. In fact, one of them is something that just blew up over the, the past weekend. Um, there was a shooting in Buffalo, New York, and the whole media, well, the, all the Democrats basically, which of course includes the media, they've all collaborated now to try to blame Tucker Carlson of Fox News for this problem that somehow he had something to do with this shooting, that he has radicalized with his rhetoric on Fox News. He's radicalized mass shooters now. And um, they say that it's because Tucker Carlson promotes something called what they call the Great Replacement Theory. Now, this is a total sham, as I'll explain in a second. Um, But every every chance they can, they try to blame Tucker Carlson for whatever's going on. Uh, They make him sound so much more powerful than than he even actually is. I mean, how many people even watch cable news anymore? (laughs) The the guy who did this shooting, he had this manifesto. Um, He's not even worth the attention that it takes to to give him to talk about this. But he had some manifesto where he talked about all his reasons for why he wanted to kill kill a bunch of people at wherever he was in Buffalo, New York. And 
and part of his manifesto, he complains about Fox News and how they hire too many Jews. So this is just some racist, stupid person who did this terrible thing. He's not even a Fox News fan. And yet the media wants to try to say that he's a Fox News radical. And um, it's all just total sham. You just can't believe anything they tell you. Never, never believe initial reports on anything. Always wait for more facts to come out. And they just immediately jumped to conclusions about this guy. And so they said he was a believer in something called the Great Replacement Theory. They say the Great Replacement is this conspiracy theory that the Democrats in the government are trying to replace white people with black people or, or other minorities, okay? They call that a conspiracy theory, and yet this is constantly what, for example, Joe Biden goes out and does whenever he says, oh, well, this, what, this old white man is stepping down from the Supreme Court. I want to replace him with a black woman. I mean, they explicitly say this, and then if you point it out, they say, oh, you just believe in the great replacement theory. It's a conspiracy theory. Let me read you this headline from the New York Times in 2018. Here's a headline from the opinion page. Here's a headline. It has a picture of Stacey Abrams, who was running for governor of Georgia at that time in 2018. Thankfully, she lost. She never conceded. She never admitted she lost. She never conceded the election. She still complains to this day that it was stolen from her. And, of course, the, the, the thing that they kicked Donald Trump off of Twitter for doing, she, she still does that to this day. Complains that the election was stolen from her. Anyway, anyway, there's an there's a opinion piece in the New York Times. And this is the headline. We can replace them. Subhead. In Georgia, a chance to rebuke white nationalism. That was a headline in 2018. We can replace them. Talking about minorities replacing white people in positions of power. And their headline on that is we can replace them. But if you point out that there's an agenda by the Democrats to replace white people with minority people, they freak out and say you believe in the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory. When it came from them. <laughs> it came from them in the first place. So now now if you point that out, they, are, they say you're a conspiracy theorist and you're part of the blame for radicalizing mass murderers. Whenever it's the left-wing media who radicalized this mass murderer in New York this week. They're the ones running headlines like, we can replace them. I'm going to point out here, too, this really proves what we said back when, for example, a Muslim terrorist took a bunch of Jews hostage a few months ago. How I, I, you know, we said at the time, I said on this show, if it had been a white man, there would have been story after story about how white supremacy is killing people. They would have been blaming Fox News. But since it was a Muslim terrorist, then they tried to bury the story as fast as possible. This also proves what we said back when a black supremacist drove his car into a crowd of people last Christmas. We pointed out if it had been a white guy, there'd be story after story about white terrorism, white radicals, white terrorists, white supremacists. But it was a black supremacist, so the media just ran, ran headlines about how a car drove into people. It proves us right when a black supremacist just a few weeks ago shot up a New York subway. And we pointed out if this had been a white guy, you'd be seeing story after story about the dangers of white supremacy. But since it was a black supremacist, they didn't do that. They ignored it as fast as they could. And now there's a shooting in Buffalo, New York. They finally got their white terrorist. It's a white supremacist radical. Okay. And we're getting that flood now of all the stories 
about the dangers of white supremacy. <laughs> They've been saving them up these past few months, and now they're all flooding out. They didn't cover the dangers of black supremacy with all those other stories, won't even acknowledge the race of the people who did those other things. But when a white guy does it, that's the story for them. It's his whiteness. That's what they want to make it all about. The gaslighting never stops. And it just kind of proves us right, what we were saying all those times. Not that we needed proven right, because I'm sure you knew it at the time. All they care about on the race of a person doing a mass murder, all they care about is if it's a white person, if it's a black or, or any other race. They don't want to talk about that, because it's all about a narrative to them. They don't just gaslight on matters of race. They also gaslight... Well, let's talk about other places they gaslight. The gaslighting on gas. <laughs> the gaslighting on gas, Okay. Because the gas, and when I talk about gas, I mean what you pay when you go to the gas pumps, okay? It hit a new high this past week. It's over $4 a gallon now on the national average in America. It's over $4 a gallon for gas. And they keep trying to tell us that it's so high because of Putin's war with um, Ukraine. the, The current administration wants to call this the Putin price hike. Every time you see inflation or high gas prices, they want to say it's the Putin price hike. This is all Putin's fault. The reason why the price of gas is going up is not because of steps the president has taken. They are because President Putin is invading Ukraine, and that is creating a great deal of instability in the global marketplace. Now, here's the reality. Okay, what you just heard from the Biden administration, that was their narrative. Here is reality. I'm looking at a graph right now of when the day Biden was elected. Average gas was $2.09 a gallon. It's <laughs> just not that long ago. It was half of what it is now when Biden was elected, okay? When he was elected, it was $2.09 a gallon. It was a, a little bit higher by the time of Inauguration Day. Like, less than 20 cents higher. It had risen a bit because people knew what was coming. The day that Putin invaded Ukraine, it's $3.54 a gallon. Just a few months ago, three fifty-four. Today, the national average is more than $4 a gallon. So gas has been rising ever since Biden was elected. It's been steadily climbing. I say steadily climbing. There was a big jump right after his inauguration. The, the, the biggest spike in gas prices was basically the first six weeks after his inauguration, we saw a really steep increase. But it's been a steady climb ever since the day he was elected. It went from $2.09 to now it's about 4.15, last I saw. And they want to say it's because of Ukraine. The Ukraine thing just happened a few months ago. We've had a steady increase. But we saw a sharp increase right after Inauguration Day. So what what was it after Inauguration Day that happened? Well, on Joe Biden's first day in office, he signed an executive order to stop a gas pipeline being built through America, saying, no, we're not going to drill for our own gas. We're going to rely on other other countries to do it. Countries like Ukraine and Russia. We'll buy gas from them. He did that day one. Day one. That's what caused the gas prices to spike in America because we can't drill for our own gas because apparently it's bad for the environment if you do it in America. So we're going to wreck the environment (laughs) in other countries around the world. We're going to wreck the Middle East environment so we don't hurt our own environment. And they call us the racists. (laughs) But Joe Biden wants to ruin the environment in other countries. He calls us the nationalist. But anyway. So that's why our gas prices are so high. Because we can't drill for our own oil. 
Because day one, and, and, Joe, and President Biden said this when he was running, back when he was just the candidate. He was saying this is what he wanted to do. When Barack Obama was president, he just wanted to buy gas from other countries. They, they say it's environmental. Joe Biden's deputy national security advisor, Dalip Singh, he went on C- or MSNBC. He said, even if we drilled as much as we could, it wouldn't affect the price of oil. Total lie. A few months ago, he went on TV and said that. Total lie. The reason oil is so high is because of what President Biden did day one of being President Biden. So the media tries to cover for him. A few months ago, New York Times runs a story. Republicans wrongly blame Biden for rising gas prices. Wrongly blame Biden. That's their headline. Republicans wrongly blame Biden for rising gas prices. Or I love this one from CNN Business, okay? From Julia Horowitz. This was November 9th of last year. This is what she writes. This is the headline on CNN. Why Joe Biden can't do much to ease gas prices. Okay? So she's trying to cover for him, say he can't do much to ease gas prices, even though he was the reason they were getting high in the first place. She wrote that last November on the 9th. Why Joe Biden can't do much to ease gas prices. Nine days later, this is what her headline. Same author. This is her headline. Oil prices are finally falling. Think China and Joe Biden. <laughs> so nine days earlier, he can't do anything about the gas. And then all of a sudden, November 18th of 2021, oil prices are finally falling. Think China and Joe Biden. And we talked about that one on a program before. I just want to mention it again. The gaslighting never stops. The gaslighting never stops with these people. Let's look at another uh, kind of a similar issue here, inflation. You know how we've been seeing this horrible inflation in America, record inflation. It's the worst year for inflation in 40 years. In four decades, we are currently in the worst year for inflation. Now, I don't know if you, you might not realize this. A year ago at this time, the news media was going all out to deny that inflation was even going to happen. They're saying, you're hearing rumors that there's going to be this massive inflation. It's all a bunch of baloney. It's not, President Biden's got this under control. You don't have anything to worry about. A year ago, they were running headlines about how there's not going to be any inflation. Well, go to Walmart. Do you still believe the news now? One year ago in May of 2021, Forbes runs this headline. The inflation scare doesn't match reality. The inflation scare. (laughs) When people were talking about inflation's coming, they said, oh, that doesn't match reality. Does that sound like gaslighting to you? Trying to make you doubt your own eyes? Trying to make you doubt what you see in front of you? Trying to make you doubt what you perceive to be reality? And the news media comes in and they say, oh, don't believe your lying eyes. Believe us. The inflation scare doesn't match reality. That was Forbes a year ago at this, at this time. One year ago this month. A few months later, CNBC reports, inflation looks bad now, but it's pretty much sticking to the script. <laughs> sticking to the script, okay? Don't worry about anything. President Biden's got this under control. Don't try to blame him. Inflation looks bad now, but it's pretty much sticking to the script. Okay, Washington Post a few months later. Republicans are scaremongering about inflation to derail the Democratic agenda. (laughs) And then a few months later from the Washington Post. Okay. Don't rant about short staff stores and supply chain woes. Try to lower expectations. This is what they were telling you late last year. If you're worried about inflation, 
that's you just need to lower your expectations, guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's some supply chain problems. Maybe there's some stores that don't have everything on the shelves. Maybe things cost a little more than they used to. Try to lower your expectations. You're the problem. It's not that you're paying more. It's not that you caught us lying in what we said a few months ago. Just lower your expectations. Then MSNBC a few months back. Why the inflation we're seeing now is a good thing. <laughs> That's their headline from MSNBC. They tried to say a few months ago, why the inflation we're seeing now is a good thing. I think they actually ended up deleting that. Because it was just a little too far even for MSNBC. They were so mocked heavily for that. They put that out. Why the inflation we're seeing now is a good thing. So in a year's time, less than a year's time, we went from, oh, inflation scare doesn't match reality. Inflation's just sticking to script. Republicans are scaremongering about inflation. Less than a year later, here we are. You're the problem. Inflation's a good thing. The gaslighting is real, okay? They lie, 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 anything to make Democrats look good, to, to prop up Joe Biden. Okay, look, at, here's another headline from CNN Business. All right, listen to this. It's from December. Listen to this. Why inflation can actually be good for everyday Americans and bad for rich people. That is a headline from CNN Business. Okay, supposedly people who are supposed to know stuff about financial stuff, economy stuff. Why inflation can actually be good for everyday people and bad for rich people. That's like the literal exact opposite of truth, which is why CNN is the one saying it, I guess. That's the exact opposite of the truth. Inflation hurts the common man because you're the one who's going to go out and pay more for eggs, more for bacon, more for gas. That doesn't affect rich people as much. You know, if you're a rich person, you don't notice it as much when you're paying double for gas because you're rich. I'm sure it hurts them a little bit, but it's because they have so much money, it only hurts them a little bit. Inflation, oh, good. It's the exact opposite of the truth, that inflation is good for you, for everyday Americans. That is what the, the media does. They take the exact opposite of truth, and they put that in the headline. Um, economists have traditionally called inflation the cruelest tax. Economists call inflation the cruelest tax. They call it that because it hurts the poor. It, it hurts minorities. It hurts people on fixed incomes. And do you want to know who told you that? CNN. They reported that. As recently as a few months before they were running headlines that said why inflation can actually be good for everyday Americans and bad for rich people. Two weeks before, they called inflation the cruelest tax. Two weeks later, oh man, President Biden's getting all these bad headlines about inflation. Let's run a headline about why inflation is good for everyday Americans. Why it's good for you. Why it's good for you that you're paying twice as much for gas now. Now, I'm no economist. I'm just, I'm not, I don't, I hate math, okay? I might have mentioned this before. I am not good at math. I'm not good at economics when I was in college. I put off my um, economic class until my very last semester of college. Like, I was supposed to get it when I got my undergraduate degree. Somehow I got out of taking econ. I guess maybe I had more options there, but but when I went on to get my bachelor's degree, they're like, no, you have to take economics. I really didn't want to. I hate economics. 
and that and that, I had kind of the senioritis when I took that class, and I didn't try very hard at all. And I was a pretty good student. I had a you know I had a high GPA. I almost always made A's in my classes. But I tell you what, with the, compared with the senioritis and my lack of desire to do an economics class, uh, economics one hundred and one, I was <laughs> I was thinking I'm probably just going to try to skate by with a D in this class or something like that. Like I really just. I just didn't care and I just wanted to get out of college and I barely tried in that class. Okay. And I was, I was really kind of like, this was a class where I could have a test coming up and I would, I would forget the test sometimes. Okay. Worth, you know, like they'll be worth a hundred points and I would just like forget about it. Cause it just, I just didn't care. It just wasn't on my mind. I just wanted to kind of skate through the class. So anyway, uh, two or three weeks before, the end of the semester, I'm making like an F or a D in the class, okay? If I don't do good enough on the final, I might fail the class because I've just been so lazy about this thing. So about three weeks before the the end of the semester, my econ professor, he sends out an email to everybody. And this is what he says. He says, hey, I just want you all to know um, this is my last semester teaching. He'd been a teacher for like decades. And he's like, I'm ready to retire and so I'm not going to fail anyone in this class. Because he's basically what would basically happen if you failed the class, you would get an incomplete. And you'd have to take the class again because it was a required class. So if you get an, an eye on it, if you get an incomplete, if you fail it, then you would just have to come back the next semester and do the class again and make up for whatever you missed out on the first time around. And so this professor sends us all, all an email. He says, hey, listen, I'm not going to offer an incomplete for this class because I'm retiring. So I'm not going to come back in the fall to, to teach you again if you fail. So he says, listen, even if you're not doing so hot in the class, if you will, whatever you make on the final, I'm willing to just make that your final grade for the class. <laughs> so I'm like making, I don't remember what it was, a D or an F. I'm like wondering if I might fail the class because I just don't care. And I couldn't bring myself to care. That's how much I hate financial stuff. I hate economics. So he comes out and he's like, whatever you make on the final, I will pass you. I will, if you can make at least a, you know, a D on the final, you'll pass the class with a D. So I basically, just like the night or two before the final, I just kind of studied my butt off on the study guide of what I'm supposed to know. And I end up making a B in the final. So I passed the class with a B after putting in just the minimal effort the whole time. So I wasn't always a student like that. Honestly, I really wasn't. Like I carried, you know, 15, 16, 17 hours and I worked on the school paper. I was an editor on the paper. I mean, I I wasn't like a lazy student in general. I'm just trying to communicate how much I hate financial stuff. I hate economics. Don't know anything about it. Don't claim to. Hate math. But this is what I'm building up to here. But I remember when President Trump decided to send out an, an economic stimulus package due to the COVID-19 pandemic. He said, well, we've kept everyone home. Let's send them all some money. If you lost your job, if you can't pay rent, here's some money. And the government just started printing trillions of dollars and mailing it out to everybody. Trillions upon trillions of dollars. I am no economist. I've told you that. I'm no economist, but I remember thinking, isn't that what causes inflation? And, you know, a lot of Republicans don't want to say this right now because we want to crap all over Biden for doing a terrible job running the country. But even if Trump had won re-election in 2020, we would still be dealing with some inflation. I think President Biden's made it worse. 
But I'm just going to point out, this is what causes inflation. When the government starts printing trillions of dollars, that is what makes inflation. And President Biden, whenever he got elected, immediately he decided to pass another stimulus package. Because he couldn't just let Trump do it. (laughs) The worst thing Trump ever did... Of course, it's the one thing Biden has to do right when he gets into office. After <laughs> after killing the pipeline, he immediately set to work saying, Americans need more money because we cost them so much money back in the pandemic. And they printed trillions of more dollars, passed another stimulus package. And I, at the time, I'm like, well, I'm no economist. But isn't this going to come back to bite us? Yeah, it's nice to get a few thousand dollars deposited into your account. That's nice. But isn't this going to hurt us in the long run? Isn't this going to cause everything to cost more money? And so in the end, aren't we going to have less money in our pockets than we than if we just didn't do this big inflation spike? I'm no economist, but I could have told you this was coming years ago when they started passing these ridiculous trillion dollars, trillions and trillions of dollars of, inf- of, in- of spending packages, sending Americans free money. That is what causes inflation when you print trillions of dollars and just, and I remember at the time people were like, Wow, I didn't know you could do this. We can print trillions of dollars and it just doesn't really affect anything. Like we can give everyone thousands of dollars and the country's doing just fine. Like news people were saying this. They're like, did you realize we can just make money come out of nowhere? I'm thinking, guys, I don't know anything about economics. But I know this. This is how you cause inflation. (laughs) But no one asked me my opinion back then. So here we are. Maybe next time around they'll they'll call me and be like, hey, should I just should I just snap my fingers and make trillions of dollars appear in people's bank accounts across the country? Should I do that? And I will tell them no, and save America. But anyway, this is what has caused inflation: is all this spending that people did, well, that the government did in the wake of COVID. And when I say they spend, they spend money that they don't actually have. So they either here's what they do: they have to print money or borrow money. And the way it works with the National Reserve, you can just phrase it either way. But basically, they are borrowing money. And they're borrowing money sometimes from other countries. But also, what they're doing is charging it to future generations. So, yes, you got a stimulus package. Your bank account rose a few thousand dollars if you were a taxpayer. Your bank account might have risen in some money. But where did that money come from? Well, they're charging it to future generations. They're like, okay, well, your kids... And your grandkids, they'll pay this back someday. That's what the government does, guys, whenever it spends money. When it spends more money than it has, it's charging it to your kids and your grandkids. Are we even going to have an economic system anymore by the time your kids and grandkids come around? Or is the country going to collapse before then? This is the risk you run when you just snap your fingers and make money come out of nowhere. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes from somebody I mean, this kind of stuff leads us toward an economic collapse when I could go on and on. But I remember when Obama McCain, when that race was going on in 2008, the national debt was a big deal because it was at least back then President Bush had run it up so much. It was kind of like right there on the verge of we need to do something about this now or we're going to someday lead to a collapse. And then Barack Obama won. On the basis that he's going to fix the national debt problem, that he's going to get the national debt debt down because President Bush had doubled it. 
and 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 President Obama with the time he was running. He said, "If I don't, I will cut it in half by the end of my first term." He said, "I'll cut infl- I'll cut the national debt in half by the end of my first term." Did he do that? No, he drove it up. <laughs> by, by the time of the end of his presidency, he had doubled it again. And then President Trump gets off, gets in office, and he did. It rose a little bit each year, but he actually significantly reduced the spending. He was trying to cut costs a lot. It still rose, but at a at a much much lower rate than it had under Obama and Bush. So he was getting us closer to that point of reducing the debt. But then COVID happened, and the spending blew out. He spent more in that last year of him being president than he did like all the other years combined because of the COVID pandemic. So all this caused inflation, printing trillions of dollars. That's what causes inflation. Now we know, some of us knew a few years ago, but now everybody knows, okay? So when you hear people try to blame COVID for inflation, when they try to blame a virus for economic problems, that is wrong. That is gaslighting you. Don't ever blame a virus for inflation because viruses don't cause inflation, guys. It didn't come from a virus. It was from government policies in response to that virus. So don't ever say, oh, COVID caused our problems. No, correct people. Say it was the government policies in response to COVID that caused all these problems. Shut down the gaslighting. All right. And we have more gaslighting to talk about today. Gaslighting on vaccines. We did a whole episode on the COVID-19 lies. That was episode 19 if you want to go check it out. So we already talked about this, that they hyped up the vaccines as being a lot more effective than they actually were. And again, whenever I say they, I mean the Democrats. But you got to listen to this, just this spectacular bit of lying from the Biden administration last weekend. The White House tweeted this out on May the 12th. This is what they said. At White House on Twitter, for real. Their legitimate account. When President Biden took office, millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available. In the last 15 months, the economy has created 8.3 million jobs and the unemployment rate stands at 3.6%. The fastest decline in unemployment to start a president's term ever recorded. So they tried to make this false connection here between vaccines and the unemployment rate. But I just got to go back to that first part. Millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available when President Biden took office. Flat out lie. They actually had to issue a correction later. They're like, okay, well, actually there was a vaccine available. In fact, President Biden had taken two doses of Pfizer's vaccine at the time he took office. So they later corrected this because it was a flat out lie. But it just begs the question, why lie in the first place? Why the constant lying? They want to pretend there was no vaccine when President Biden took office and that he created the vaccine and he's always tried to take credit for it. He's never wanted to give Trump credit for the vaccine. But why lie in the first place? Why the constant lying? Nobody was asking for that tweet. There's no purpose to it. Like, why even do it in the first place? If they had said on election day there was no vaccine, that would have been true. But they specifically said on the day he took office. Well, that was in January. At which time, he already had two doses of Pfizer's vaccine. Now, of course, the vaccine was meaningless in the end anyway, because the Omicron variant came out, and that's that's what basically wiped out the pandemic. Basically, Omicron, it was, you know, it's a very light form of COVID, but it was much more transmissible. And even if you were vaccinated, you could still get Omicron. And Omicron just kind of went through the population and essentially vaccinated us. So even if no vaccine had ever been introduced... 
your life would probably be basically the same today. As in today of May of 2022, your life would basically be the same as if there had been no vaccine ever. The vaccine will likely have no long-term effects on society other than showing everybody how crazy the world would become with it, you know, within a very short time. For a couple of years, everyone got crazy. During that time, remember this, that they told you natural immunity was a conspiracy theory. Here's Mother Jones on May 12th of 2020. Here's what they said. Anti-vaxxers have a dangerous theory called natural immunity. Now it's going mainstream. <laughs> they called natural immunity. They said that's a theory of anti-vaxxers. Not just a theory, a dangerous theory of natural immunity. And they put natural immunity in quotation marks. They call you an anti-vaxxer for talking about natural immunity. But then here's what the CDC said later on in the pandemic. Natural immunity is superior to vaccines against the Delta variant, the CDC finds. That's a headline from later on in the pandemic. Natural immunity is superior to vaccines, okay? Something that the, the Mother Jones website told you was a dangerous conspiracy theory. Now, listen, if you went back three years ago in a time machine, if you asked anybody back then about natural immunity, everybody knew what you meant. Everybody knew what you were talking about. Everybody understood when you get, you know, like the flu, then from that strain, you have a natural immunity. But just into the pandemic a little bit, suddenly Mother Jones is trying to tell you natural immunity is a dangerous theory. And then before the end of the pandemic, the CDC is admitting, oh, yeah, yeah, natural immunity is actually better than a vaccine. That'll protect you more long term. I mean, guys, the gaslighting never ends. You remember during the pandemic, they were saying that ivermectin is a horse dewormer and, and they were making fun of so-called anti-vaxxers if you wanted to, to take ivermectin, okay? When Joe Rogan got COVID a while back and and they said last year, here's a, here's a headline from Motherboard. Rogan has recovered from COVID-19 and used his first show back to spread misinformation about the horse deworming drug he took. So they did this whole thing of ivermectin is a horse dewormer, and if you take ivermectin, you're taking horse medicine. They made it, a, you know, remember that whole thing? Well, here's what they said a few weeks ago, okay? When it, when it, there's starting to be some news leaks, as we talked about last time, that Roe versus Wade will probably be overturned by the Supreme Court. And so women are freaking out that they're not going to be able to kill their babies, uh, even though most states are probably still going to let you do it. But a lot of women are freaking out. And so here's what Motherboard puts out on May the 3rd of this month. They're, they're telling you how you can get a medicine to induce an abortion inside of you, okay? Here's what it says. Misoprostol is relatively easy to acquire from veterinary sources, since in addition to medically inducing abortions, it's also used to treat ulcers in horses. <laughs> so just six months before, they're mocking Joe Rogan for saying he took ivermectin and it helped him. They're mocking him for taking a so-called horse dewormer. It's not that, but that's what they could. He took human medicine, obviously, but they're mocking him for that. Six months later, they're trying to tell women how to have abortions. And they say, oh, go to your vet and get my soap, however you say it, get that. You know, you can get it from a vet because they also use it to treat ulcers and horses. <laughs> they're telling, it, the gaslighting with these people. But taking horse medicine is mockable. I guess unless you want to kill your baby and then, they're all for it then. 
By the way, on COVID, I just want to point out something. We just hit a million deaths. Okay, when when Joe Biden was running for president, this is what he tweets out right before the election. He says, 220,000 deaths. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who is responsible for that many deaths should not remain president of the United States. So he said that right before the election. Anyone, any president who has presided over 220,000 deaths should not remain president of the United States. Well, we've had many times that amount under Joe Biden as president. So according to his own words, <laughs> there you go. And speaking of stuff Joe Biden says, do you remember the story a few months ago about how the Biden administration was handing out crack pipes? They were sending smoking kits to impoverished communities saying it's not fair that minorities, when they do crack, that they have to use dirty crack pipes. This is a true thing, okay? This is like, it sounds so insane. I mean, it is insane. So it sounds so insane. Why would anyone think this is a good idea? Why is the Biden administration trying to help people smoke crack? Specifically black people. Why are they trying to do that? Like, it's not fair that minorities don't have access to as clean of of glassware when they want to do illicit drugs. And the Biden administration did this and they denied it, calling it a conspiracy theory by Republicans. And immediately the fact checker set to work to try to set that narrative in stone. Okay, here's from Reuters. Fact check. U.S. government officials did not say crack pipes would be distributed in safer drug kits. CNN politics. Facts first. Fact check. Biden administration isn't funding crack pipes. Here's from USA Today. Fact check. False claim that Biden administration is distributing $30 million of crack pipes. PolitiFact. Conservative commentators recently set off a firestorm by accusing the federal government of spending $30 million on crack pipes. But that isn't what's happening. Mostly false on their PolitiFact meter. Okay. So then the Washington Free Beacon did actual journalism and broke the story last week. They have the crack pipes on hand. Washington Free Beacon reports, yes, safe smoking kits include free crack pipes. We know because we got them. And the Washington Free Beacon went to Boston, went to Washington, D.C., went to Baltimore, went to New York City, and went to Richmond, Virginia. And in all of these places, they obtained crack pipes that were being given out in safe smoking kits from the Biden administration. Okay, the, doing actual journalism. So, of course, all the all those people like USA Today and PolitiFact and CNN and Reuters, they're not reporting this story. Washington Free Beacon actually did. They have pictures. I'm looking at it right now. They got pictures of the crack pipes that the Biden administration was handing out to people. What they called a conspiracy theory a few months ago because they lie constantly because all they ever do is try to gaslight you. By the way, you're not supposed to criticize President Biden, guys, because, according to the New Republic, criticizing Joe, De- Joe Biden is a danger to democracy. They said this on December 11th, 2021. If you criticize President Biden, it, it's a danger to democracy. Of course, back whenever Trump was president, they were running headlines like, the most corrupt president in American history. But when President Biden is, is the president, if you criticize him... It's a danger to democracy. These people have no morals. They have no standards. They have no sense of truth. For them, it's just whatever hurts Republicans and helps Democrats. Let me end this segment with a clip from Mika Brzezinski. She's on MSNBC. And this is something she said back during the Trump presidency. 
She's complaining that Trump's tweets that they undermine the media because he's able to use Twitter to talk directly to the American people rather than having all his words filtered through the mainstream media gaslighters and liars. So she's upset that he can do this because when he does this, he's telling people what to think. And and she says telling people what to think is the media's job. She said this for real. So I'm just going to point out when they tell you who they are, listen to them. Listen to this. Listen to this amazing clip from the gaslighters at MSNBC. And then after that, we'll go on to something else. While unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our you, job. Yeah. If you look. At- OK, well, we'll move on from there. Although, um, you know, gaslighting it comes up in a lot of news stories. It might come up some more today. Uh, it's it's just I wanted to do a conglomeration back there and talk about a lot of places that we see it. But, um, you know, we'll continue to kind of note it as we go forward. As we, I, I just wanted to do a bit of a retrospective on that to start off today because I wanted to highlight um, a lot of places I've seen it in the past year and explain what it was. That's why we went through that back at the beginning. So um, <laughs> as you all know, um, we talked about this last time, too, that Roe versus Wade is likely to be struck down soon by the Supreme Court. Uh, some thought it was going to happen earlier on Monday of this week. Uh, they did come out with some announcements on on rulings, but for some reason they aren't just going to go ahead and announce about Roe versus Wade um, before then. They aren't going to like a lot of people have said. Why don't you just do it a little early? A lot of times these these rulings come down come down in June, and a lot of people have been saying, why don't you just go ahead and announce it since it's it's already leaked and uh, let's just get this get this over with because we know the left is going to freak out. Wouldn't it be surprised to see some rioting and looting? Um, so they're already on edge. Let's just get it over with. And uh, I hope the announcement comes out soon. Um, however, since the announcement, or since the leak here a week or two ago, um, the, the, uh, there's been some some violence seen by the left, uh, like some looting already over women not, not being allowed to, to kill their own children, perhaps in some states in the future. There, there's been some people acting out violently about that. And one thing we saw was that some crisis pregnancy resource centers were, were attacked. Um, there was one that was set on fire by pro-abortion protesters. And here's how The Hill reported on that. Their headline says, Fire breaks out at Wisconsin anti-abortion group office. A fire breaks out at a Wisconsin anti-abortion group office. So they were attacked by arson, by pro-abortion protesters. I mean, I, I call them criminals when, when they're doing arson. They're attacked by that, and The Hill reports it as fire breaks out. You know, that doesn't make it sound like uh, they were actually attacked by these pro-choice terrorists. It makes it sound like, you know, an oven, a, a microwave caught on fire or something like that when it says fire breaks out. It's, it's kind of a form of gaslighting, you know, whenever someone commits a crime. And uh, a lot of times whenever it's a minority or whenever it's someone doing something that the left likes, you know, the left likes f- for um, pro-life groups to be attacked. They don't want pro-life people to be seen as a victim, though. So they don't they don't report this as if a pro-life group are, are the victims. First of all, it calls them an anti-abortion group to just try to make it sound a little bit more negative. And then uh, they just report it as a fire breaks out. You see this in what the left chooses to focus on in a lot of their coverage. Like, like we've heard so many stories about the, the Buffalo shooting 
I think 10 people died in that, and that's a that's a major thing. It's worth talking about. But there were a lot of shootings this weekend. Uh, on Sunday, there was a church uh, where a gunman went into a Presbyterian church in California and, and shot a bunch of people. Um, so for one thing, the victims were Christians, and the left doesn't like Christians very much. And then for another thing, the guy doing the shooting was an Asian man. And I was reading this morning, I believe it was a, it was like a Chinese guy, and he was shooting up a Taiwanese church. Because uh, I'm surprised the hatred goes this deep, but there's this kind of this malice right now between China and Taiwan. And China just kind of wants to swallow up and annex Taiwan and, and doesn't want Taiwan to be its own country. China wants to say, oh, no, you're a part of, you're a part of China. And they've been trying to use their influence and authority to, to make this happen, to make Taiwan a part of China, to where, a, I guess, what you might call a Chinese nationalist here in America shot up a church that was majority Taiwanese people. And um, so the media is not focusing on that very much. Uh, the, I read I read about that today in a the New York Post, which I don't know if I, it, it's not a left wing publication. The New York Post is not left wing in the sense that like Washington Post is or New York Times. The New York Post they're the ones who broke the Hunter Biden laptop story back in 2020. Now they go after right wingers too, so they're they're uh, the New York Post is about as balanced as probably as you find in the news media. But um, anyway. I read about this in the New York Post. The mainstream media is just kind of ignoring the California church shooting. And probably because it was a an Asian person committing it. If it had been a white person shooting up a tiny Taiwanese church, we'd be hearing all about white nationalism. Uh, but when it's a Chinese person, there's, there's not talk about Chinese nationalism, the dangers of radical Chinese people. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, yes, there's white nationalists. There's black nationalists. There's nationalists, radicals, supremacists, of all the different colors of the rainbow, as as far as um, as as far as color, the racial rainbow. Okay, uh, there, there's there's radical terrorists in every skin color out there, and the media just wants to focus on one skin color and kind of just ignore all the other ones. There was a there was a shooting up in D.C. a few weeks ago. It was by a, I think a Japanese some some uh, a person of Asian descent you know, was shooting people in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, just shooting random people walking down the street. Did we hear anything about that? No. Uh, barely, barely a peep out of the media about that guy. The night before the Buffalo shooting, there were like 20 people shot in Minnesota. Why wasn't that a major news story? Why wasn't there a bunch of coverage on this on this shooting in Minnesota? Because it was gang-on-gang violence. Okay, majority black people versus majority black people, and the media doesn't want to talk about black-on-black crime. They'll want to talk about white on black crime when that's a lot less frequent than black on white crime or black on black crime. If you're a black person and you get killed, um, most likely, statistically speaking, black people are killed by other black people. But the media doesn't talk about that. They want to create this perception that it's white people, white supremacists trying to wipe out all the black people. When if you really wanted to save the most lives, you focused on black on black crime. But, you know, as we point out, like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives don't really matter to Black Lives Matter because they want to focus on the category where there's the least amount of of racial violence. They want to make it sound like the police are your enemy. Anyway, we've kind of talked about all that before. Um, let's go on to another headline. This one's from Metro Entertainment. And I just I just thought the choice of words in this headline was kind of interesting. So this is this is celebrity news. This is about Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson. They are a couple I don't even care about the whole backstory on that, but 
they're recently a couple, and and here's every other week they're in the news for some stupid thing. Here's here's the headline this week for Metro Entertainment. It looks like Kim and Pete are for keeps at the moment, as they recently made their red carpet debut, looking like one smitten superstar couple. Okay, I want to focus on the first part. It looks like Kim and Pete are for keeps at the moment. They are for keeps at the moment. Now, isn't that a contradiction in terms right there? Um, for keeps, meaning some sense of permanency, I guess. But just at the moment. <laughs> so what does for keeps mean if it doesn't mean for keeps, for forever, or to, to stay that way? <laughs> it's like, we're together forever for right now, but we're for keeps at the moment. So anyway, it's just, this is kind of how the media, the uh, I guess this is what I want to say about it. Language just kind of has no meaning anymore. Like, language has just started to become whatever, as far as the left is concerned. That, you know, saying for keeps doesn't imply permanence. It's just a cutesy phrase to say that a couple is together, but it has no bearing on on reality, okay, on on the, the length of the relationship. So we're going to talk in a few minutes about how language just anymore, it seems to have no real meaning. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. First, let's do a message from our president, and then we'll find out what's racist for this week. Look, here's just some of the what we're this investment will do. First, thanks to Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley and, and Earl Bump, and Earl, excuse me. I know. You can call me Bidden. Joe Bidden. Helping deliver a more resilient state-of-the-art runway. Now, hey, everybody does stuff like that. I mean, I do too. You know, I get on to talk and I, I forget words and stuff like that sometimes. And I'm not, you know, it's, it's this thing where I'm not trying to hate on someone for missing a word, forgetting someone's name here and there. But it's just become so common with President Biden that constantly, every week. Have you just noticed every single week that we have this podcast, we have a clip or two of him forgetting something while in public. And what you might not realize, because you heard in audio, is a lot of times these things are on teleprompter. Well, it, basically every time, because President Biden doesn't go out to speak without teleprompter. He doesn't, he doesn't even speak without teleprompter. But even with a teleprompter in front of him, he makes mistakes like this. This was on teleprompter. He wasn't speaking for memory there. He was doing it on teleprompter. Yeah, it came out in the news. Politico did this report on why they have a fake White House set. Uh, if, you, if you ever notice, when President Biden does these addresses to the nation, they have a movie set set up at the White House where he goes to speak every time. And there's always like just this really fake looking background in the window. You know, it might be the dead of winter and they have these springtime flowers in the background. And it, and it, it never makes, um, the backgrounds never make logical sense with like the time of year that he's recording these things. It's really, it's really strange and bizarre. Like other presidents don't do this. They don't have like the this fake set that they always go to do their addresses in front of. And so Politico did this report. Why is he why is he always on this fake set whenever he addresses the nation? And the reason, it turns out, the reason is that they said the teleprompter won't fit into the Oval Office. Or like it's too hard to bring it in and set it up all the time. There's not a place to store a teleprompter in the Oval Office. And every time he speaks, he uses a teleprompter. So they have to use the fake White House set. And, and that's why he's always on teleprompter. And yet still, as you just heard, this is the, this is the best he can do. 
And, and we just continue to put a spotlight on this because we don't want it to become so commonplace that our president is basically a dementia patient. We don't want it to become so commonplace that we just pretend it doesn't happen. Okay, we got to we got to shine a light on this because the media is not going to. All right, let's talk about what's racist for this week. Everything is racist. So the first one here is an opinion piece, and and here's the headline on this. Uh, uh, let me just say, so George Washington is racist. Now we already knew this; they've already been tearing down George Washington statues for the past few years. Um, but the headline says George Washington University needs a new name. And this is by someone named Caleb Francois. He's written an opinion piece about why George Washington University needs to change its name because it's so racist. I just Here's the funny part about this. I didn't mention where this was printed. He printed this in the Washington Post. <laughs> the Washington Post has, an, has a piece about how George Washington University needs to change its name because of the association with George Washington, written in the Washington Post. Can't make this stuff up, people. And then MSNBC, uh, they did a deal about, here's here's the, is this about how homeschooling is racist? It may seem harmless, but the insidious racism of, of the American religious rights obsession with homeschooling speaks volumes. <laughs> so homeschooling is racist. If you homeschool your kids, you're racist. Apparently this is a new way of maintaining white supremacy. Now, I was homeschooled myself. Thankfully, I did not turn out as racist as an MSNBC reporter. And then here's one more. Um, no, I got a couple more because here's one from last night. This is just from last night. This is from Deadspin. They tweet out, white fans were entertained by black athletes a day after a racist killed black people in Buffalo. This is what white supremacy looks like. Okay, so it's, it's white supremacy now if you watch basketball as a white person because you're being entertained by black people. That's white supremacy. That's racist. To be entertained by black athletes because, don't you know, a racist killed black people in Buffalo. Well, excuse me, Deadspin, if we're only black people supposed to watch that game? Like, if this is so traumatizing to all black people everywhere, why didn't they just cancel the game and let the, the black players stay home and suck their thumbs or something? And I'm not trying to mock black people there. This is I'm trying to point out how infantilizing these left-wing publications like Deadspin try to treat black people. They try to treat them like, oh... You're next. You know, they try to put all this fear in black people. Oh, a white supremacist shot up at this place in Buffalo. You need to worry about how you might die. Don't don't go out and play basketball. And white people shouldn't watch anyway. You know, they do this thing of, of infantilizing black people and trying to make black people just try to live in this terror uh, when it's horrible what happened in Buffalo. Okay. But statistically speaking, if we're going to go by science and data rather than our emotions, okay, you're, there's not like this pandemic or epidemic of of black people being killed by white supremacists. That's not like a major threat in this country. Okay, so we shouldn't be trying to terrorize black people and make them afraid of that. As I kind of already mentioned, if you're black, you're actually much more likely to die by a fellow black person. Like if you want to save the most black lives by concentrating on some form of murder, here's an idea. Let's outlaw abortion because that, that kills a higher statistic... <laughs> Statistically, more black people than than any other race. There's some places in America where if you're a black person in the womb, you're more likely to die by from abortion than from even being born. You know, and it's more like about a third of babies are aborted in this country. But if you're black, there's some places where it's you're more likely to die of abortion 
than to even be born because the, the black abortion rate is greater than 50%. So if we want to focus on an area where murder is killing the most black people, I'd say let's outlaw abortion nationwide. Number two, let's focus on the black-on-black -black crime, places like where the gang shooting happened in Minnesota, rather than focusing all this attention on some nutcase up in Buffalo. In fact, give the nutcase in Buffalo zero attention. If you're going to run stories about it, run stories about his victims. Run, story about, run stories about the heroic police who came in and put a stop to him, rather than running stories about how the police are these racist killers. So anyway, back to Deadspin here. They want you to feel like also if you're a white person and there's been this tragedy in the black community, that therefore you shouldn't watch basketball tonight. You know, th this is one of those things, again, the unfalsifiable premise thing that I talked about last time. If all the white people said, oh, well, we're not going to watch black players play basketball this, this week. You know, we're going to turn off our TVs and not watch basketball this week. They'd be calling that racist because you're refusing to, to, to watch basketball, a sport where there's a majority black, you know, population. So th th this is one of those things you can't, you can't please them. There's no, that's why there's no sense in even trying. They will call you racist no matter what you do. If you watch the basketball game, if you don't watch the basketball game, they're going to call you racist either way. So congrats to Deadspin for one of the most ridiculous stories of the week. And then one more that I want to mention here. This is my favorite. This is from The Root. Here's the headline from The Root. Straight black men are the white people of black people. Straight black men are the white people of black people. That's a real headline there from The Root. And, you know, one of the problems in the country is that so many things have been redefined. Racism has been redefined. Because um, you read that headline, that's such a stupid headline. It's from a black guy, but I'd say it's, it's a racist headline. It's a stupid headline. It's nonsensical. How can a sentence like this even make sense to somebody? Well... It is racist, but racism has been redefined. So the person writing it wouldn't recognize it as racist. Here's what they say racism is now. They say racism is now based on systems of oppression. And I want to talk about just the redefinition of terms before we leave today, like racism. It's now defined as systems of oppression. So basically, if you're white, whites are considered the oppressors in this culture because they're the dominant, the dominant race. It's a majority white country. So if you're white, you're just considered an oppressor and therefore racist. And what we all have to do is to do the work of dismantling systems of oppression, to dismantle white supremacy. So what President Joe Biden's doing, where he just specifically picks black people to positions of uh, you know, authority in his administration. So he can constantly be like, oh, look, the first black vice president, the first black female Supreme Court justice, the first black gay female press secretary, also this past week. The first black person or black woman on the Federal Reserve, you know, to give them representation. How many black people do you think have lost sleep in this country because they don't have representation on the Federal Reserve? <laughs> you know, it's like, is this really a pressing issue to black people in the country, to any people in the country? I've never cared who's on the Federal Reserve, the skin color of people in the Federal Reserve. I've never thought about that for one second in my life. But, but... Joe Biden thinks that this is <laughs> this is meeting a need of creating racial equality for black people. So whenever he goes around and specifically picks one race of people for positions of, of you know, it says, I'm only going to look for people who are black. 
Now that is racism. That's by definition racism by the old definition. However, under the new definition, he's dismantling systems of oppression. So he's being anti-racist by singling out one race for opportunities. That's considered anti-racism now. So Democrats have this hobby of redefining words. They're always trying to redefine our reality, kind of like gaslighting, kind of like the 1984 novel where the words were just constantly being changed. The meanings were constantly being changed and people were always scrambling to keep up with the newest definitions. Uh, For example, the LA Times, they told us back in 2020 that looting, that's now a racist term. They said you shouldn't use the word looting to describe all the looting happening. They said instead you need to use more specific terms. You need to say things like, don't say looting because that's racist. Say smashing windows of stores and stealing what was inside. They said that you need to say all that. You can't just say the word looting anymore because looting has racist connotations. (laughs) This is how they think, okay? The LA Times, they're the ones who associate looting with black people. I don't. Like when, when the Black Lives Matter riots were going on and people were looting every day or every night, when they were constantly looting for all summer long back in 2020, that wasn't even a just a black people thing. There was a bunch of white people in there doing it too. White people smashing into targets and stealing TVs and Lego sets and all kinds of stuff. But the LA Times says, nope, only black people loot. And now it's racist to point out if looting is happening because it's going to make you think of black people. That's how the LA Times thinks. They say, if you use the word looting... You're racist. Instead, say, smashing windows of stores and stealing what is inside. Or to use another example of this from Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Here's how she tried to gaslight America. She tried to say, oh, all these allegations of theft that are going on, she says they're not really panning out. Now, guys, we can see this. We see this in the news every day. You get on Twitter, you follow the right people. There are constantly videos being shared of this only happens in big cities. People walk into stores and they just still, you know, they walk into a Walgreens and just steal whatever they want. They'll walk into, uh, there was a video I saw the other day of, of an eyeglass store. They're just stealing the frames off the shelves. I'm watching it. I'm like, dudes, dude, you have to get those prescriptions made for yourself. <laughs> That's not even the most expensive part of buying glasses. <laughs> the frame, You pick out the frames and then you got to send them off to get lenses for what you want. So I guess there's some value in the frames. But, you know, they're just stealing the frames with those clear lenses through them. Uh, they're just stealing them off the shelves. And here's the thing. They, the owners don't even bother to call the cops because they know, oh, the, the cops aren't going to do anything. They don't want to be considered racist by stopping looting. So you see these videos online all the time. People just going into stores, filling up bags of stuff and just walking out. No one tries to stop them. No one even bothers to call the police. DAs won't prosecute it. There's policies where unless you steal like at least $1,000 worth of stuff, they're not even going to try to track down the people. You can have them on video, have them on camera, see their face plainly, and the cops won't even do anything unless it's like more than 900 something dollars. So people will walk into stores with a calculator, calculate the value of what they're stealing. This really happens. They'll calculate the value and, and make sure they stay under that so that no one's going to bother calling the cops. That's liberal governance in big cities, people. So back to AOC, she says, she says, oh, you know, there's a lot of allegations of theft. You know, these videos you see online every day. She says they're not actually panning out. She said, I believe there's a Walgreens in California cited, but the data didn't back it up. 
classic gaslighting right there. She tells you you're not seeing what you're clearly seeing. She's like, oh yeah, someone went into a Walgreens in California, but you know, it didn't pan out. We see the video <laughs> and there's more videos every single day. It's gaslighting when they try to redefine these terms and tell you you're not seeing what they what you're seeing. And, and now words just really no longer have meaning. This is It's so hard to have a conversation with a leftist um, because they use a lot of the same words, but they have entirely different definitions for the words that they use. Here's one that they keep redefining. Democracy. Democrats love to complain that democracy itself is under attack every time something happens that they don't like. Okay, here's the definition of democracy. It's a system of government by the whole population or all the eligible members of a state, typically through elected representatives. In America, we have um, um, kind of a unique form of government. You know, people debate, should we call ourselves a democracy or call ourselves a republic? Because we, we vote on our senators, we vote on our representatives, but we send them to Congress to vote in the Senate, in Congress, okay? To make the legal decisions for us. So we don't do everything because here's what the founding fathers knew. Things like human rights, they should be enshrined in the Constitution. Things like gun rights, things like civil rights, things like the right to life. These should be enshrined in the Constitution and they shouldn't be at the tyranny of the majority. So we don't use a democratic form of government necessarily. We have a, we have a republic where we send people who are our elected representatives. And then they vote democratically. So anyway, that is democracy as, as understood, you know, historically. But now anytime Democrats don't like the way something goes, they just say democracy is under attack. Democracy is under attack. You hear this constantly. But they don't really have a definition, I don't think, of what democracy even is. It's just anything that they don't like. So pay attention to how Democrats use the word democracy. Okay, here's Elizabeth Warren. They had a vote in the Senate of whether to... Here's what the Democrats in the Senate wanted to do. They wanted to enshrine abortion for all nine months of pregnancy up until birth in all 50 states. They said, since Roe looks like it's going down, we want to make it so that all 50 states have abortion up to the point of birth. That in all 50 states in America, five minutes before a baby's born, you can jam a pair of scissors into its brain and suck its brains out and then pull out its body from the mother. Sorry to be graphic there, but that is what that is what abortion up to the point of birth means. And they'll say, oh yeah, the baby's just somehow not a person. It's just a clump of cells until it passes out of the mother. So five minutes before it's born, we can kill it. They wanted to enshrine that. That is how murderous, that's how dedicated to the murder of children that Democrats are. Except for one Democrat, Joe Manchin. He said, no, I'm not going to vote for that. I'm not going to shove that down the throats of all 50 states in America. Some states have that. I think California does. New York does. Most states don't. They don't go that extreme. So all the Democrats in the Senate, except for Joe Manchin, said that they wanted to enshrine that in law all across America. So Joe Manchin's like, no, we're not going to go that far. So the vote failed. Now, we have a 50-50 Senate, Democrats and Republicans. So the vote failed 51 to 49. All the Republicans, plus Joe Manchin, voted that down. So Elizabeth Warren comes out and she says, I believe in democracy and I don't believe the minority should have the ability to block things 
that the majority wants to do. So this this bill in the Senate, it failed 51 to 49. And she says the minority should not be able to stop what the majority wants to do. What do those words even mean to her? She was in the minority. When it's 51 to 49, her side is in the minority. So why is she talking about what the majority wants to do? What, the minor- <laughs> what do these words even mean to her? What happened was literally democracy. It was rule by the majority of the population, at least the population of the Senate. Words just don't have meaning anymore. The Associated Press. Here's something amazing that they tweeted out, one of their headlines this week. They did a story, AP did a story on Elon Musk. Here's what they said. Elon Musk boasts that he's acquiring Twitter to defend freedom of speech, but he has long used the platform to attack those who disagree with him. I mean, what? They're saying that he's against free speech because he attacks people who disagree with him? The the Associated Press doesn't even know what free speech is. Okay? And this is a thing that that liberals knew a few few years ago. They were the champions of free speech. When conservatives wanted to ban books, Democrats threw fits over it. They would even defend the KKK's right to free speech on the basis that everyone should have a right to speak, even if you disagree with what they're saying. But that's not what free speech means to the Democrats anymore or to the people at Associated Press. They think freedom of speech is the freedom to only hear the speech that you agree with. (laughs) That's not what it means. Yes, Elon Musk is pro-free speech. Yes, he attacks people who disagree with him. But here's why he, here's what, he doesn't try to shut down them from speaking. He doesn't say they're not allowed to talk. That's what the left wants to do. They want to ban you off social media. They want to ban you from having a platform if they don't like what you're saying. They want to shut you down and silence your voice. That's not what Elon Musk wants to do. He wants to buy Twitter to protect actual freedom of speech, okay? (laughs) To let people speak even when he doesn't like what they're saying. So the Associated Press doesn't even know what free speech is. They try to accuse him of hypocrisy because he's pro-free speech, but he attacks people who disagree with him. They don't even know what free speech is. The left now wants to advocate punching Nazis. You know, they say, oh, because speech is violence. So if they say something that we don't like, we should have a right to hit them. Another word that they're redefining is is what speech even is. They say speech is a form of violence. Well, guys, speech is not violence. Violence is violence. Speech is talking, okay? Now, I know words can be hard to hear. Words can be mean. Words can be hateful. We can dislike what someone says. We can disagree with it. It can be wrong. But that doesn't make words into violence. Once you go to using your fists, once you go to hitting someone or causing them injury or death, that is what violence is. But see, the left wants to redefine speech as violence so that then they can be justified in actual violence whenever they want to respond to that. Oh yeah, well we can punch a Nazi, sure. So words don't even have meaning anymore. Like the word woman. Okay, Matt Walsh is going to crack open that egg soon. He's, he's working on a documentary called What is a Woman? We'll need to check that out here when it comes out here in a few weeks. The left can't define what the word woman is because they're so ensconced in the gender ideology, this obsession with the new, the new way to think about gender and sexuality. They say, oh, well, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't talk about physical characteristics between the sexes. We shouldn't talk about differences in the sexes because that would be sexist. So they say, we can't acknowledge, hey, don't don't say that girls like pink or that girls like to play with dolls 
That's stereotyping. So that's wrong. We shouldn't believe in stereotypes. So anything can be woman. Anything can be man. Anything can be feminine. Anything can be masculine. We shouldn't have any distinctions in those two categories. So they say, so you say, okay, well, what is a woman then? When you use the word woman, when you say, hey, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, or when you say trans women are women, well, what does that actually mean? What do you mean by the word woman? They're like, oh, well, a woman is anything that identifies as a woman. Identifies as what? When you say identifies as a woman, you're using the word woman in your definition of woman. I want to know what what do you think a woman even is? They don't have a response to that, which is why Matt Walsh has made a whole documentary about it. The words just don't have meaning anymore to the left. They just make up they make up as they go along <laughs> and it's constantly changing. And gender ideology, that's another area where they're trying to dominate the playing field with their redefinitions. One that I especially hate is this word cisgender. Cisgender is a is a word that they've used to try to redefine what it means to just be normal. Okay, the same way they try to obsessively label every deviant sexual category, they want to re- relabel being normal, and they call it, oh, you're cisgender. That's someone who, who believes that they are the sex that they were assigned at birth. Okay, so when a baby comes out, and the doctor says, oh, it's a boy, because it's obvious that it's a boy for obvious reasons. The doctor says, it's a boy, and then if that person grows up and says, yep, I'm a boy, now they want to have a new word to label you. They call you cisgender. Don't let the Wilkies identify you as cisgender. Because it's just a term they invented to try to redefine being normal. The same way that they obsessively label every deviant sexual category. It's just another way for them to control you. They never asked what you wanted to be called. Okay, You never volunteered to be reclassified under the new gender ideology. So if anyone ever asks how you identify or tries to label you cisgender, you need to stop them and let them know that you do not identify yourself that way. Okay? That's what you tell them. I do not identify myself that way. If they ask how you want to be identified, simply tell them a normal person. Okay? Just say, just normal. Just call me normal. Now, see, if if you're talking to a woke person, this puts them in a difficult position. Because, you know, technically, under it's free speech. They can call you whatever they want. But under their worldview, they feel that they are morally obligated to call people by their preferred self-identification. So if you tell them you want to be called a normal person, that forces them to refer to you as a normal person. If, if that's what you want. If that's what you want to be called. Under their worldview, now they have to call you that. They have to just refer to you as normal. And whenever you tell them that, what you're doing is you're wrenching the control of language back away from the hands of the left and and repossessing it because that's how they always win. They try to control our speech. So here's what you do. You try to control their speech under their rules. You say, oh, I don't, don't call me cisgender. I didn't consent to that. Call me a normal person. Now, for you, you're still free to call men men and women women because under your worldview, you have the freedom to call people whatever you want. And you should. But under their worldview, they have to call you what you want to be called. So just tell them to call you normal. Don't don't let them call you cisgender. Don't let them relabel what it means to just be a normal person. Just make them call you a normal person. Okay? Stay true to your worldview. Don't call the people by preferred pronouns. Because you know what? Preferred pronouns is lying. 
using preferred pronouns is lying. There's only two sexes, okay? And it's rooted in biology, what you are. A solitary person can't be a they, them, or any of the other millions of categories of pronouns that they've come up with. You use pronouns that correspond to biology, AKA reality. So don't let them tell you that you need to use preferred pronouns because it's polite. It's not polite to lie. Don't let them tell you it's polite to lie to people's faces. It's disgustingly impolite of them to try to force you or guilt you into lying. And if that's the game they want to play, make them refer to you as normal. Let's normalize being normal. Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor, reminding you that if you hear anyone calling you cisgender, you tell them that that's just fake news. Okay.